launch this afternoon into some work around the components that go into high-quality projects. So one of the things that we asked you to read before you came here was an article called Main Course Not Dessert. And John Larmer uh, is one of the guys that works at BIE. That's the, the organization that I do a lot of training for. He talks about projects that are high quality as being the main course. So traditional projects, a lot of times, are the thing that you get if you do the hard work of learning. It's that dessert. It's that fun thing. The Martin Van Buren, dress up, make a museum exhibit, do these different things. But kids don't start that work until after they've done all the hard stuff. So it's almost like a reward. What we want to be thinking about is projects as being the vehicle through which instruction is happening. So at the beginning of a project, students have something that piques their interest. And we call that an entry event. Those of you who have been in instruction for a while, you might think of it as an anticipatory set or a hook. Something that just makes them go, huh, what's going on here? There was a project that I did in middle school, and it was at the beginning of the year, and I wanted my uh, science students to learn a little bit about how scientists do their work. I didn't say anything to them ahead of time. They walked in, beginning of school that morning, and they found police line do not cross tape over my door. That was my entry event. That piqued their interest. That engaged their heart and their mind in learning. They walked in. There was this sketch on the floor of somebody who supposedly had had something evil happened to them. They asked some questions. They did their need to know, you know, what happened here, what's going on. That got them thinking about the process of science. How do scientists, how do police do their work? And then through that unit, we were learning about the nature of scientific exploration. Okay? So when we were thinking about projects and high-quality projects, it becomes the reason for the work. It's not the add-on at the end. One other thing I want to clarify, because there's often this misunderstanding around nomenclature. So if I talk about project-based learning, that's a pedagogy. That is the thing that we are doing. We are engaging kids in content in a meaningful way. So project-based learning, or PBL, is the pedagogy. The project is the unit. So that's the thing we as teachers do with kids. Often I'll hear teachers say, oh, we did our PBL. But it's really, oh, we did our project. And then the last thing is what kids create to showcase their learning. And we're going to get into what that looks like in just a little bit. But that would be the product. So what kids create is the product. The thing we as teachers write is the project. And the way in which we're engaging students in pedagog pedagogically would be PBL or project-based learning. Does that make sense? OK, fantastic. I think, I just, do you mind, Christian? No, but uh, are we good on this? Can I move to a different slide? OK. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I think, too, there can be a real temptation. Like, I don't know if some of y'all are familiar with Teaching for Transformation or EL Education, Expeditionary Learning. There are a lot of different frameworks, but they're containing similar pieces um, that kind of form this project that Kristen was mentioning. So you'll hear the term expedition thrown out there, or unit, or project. Um, but again, stick with us on the heart of that content, what that means. We'll flesh that out. It might wear different clothing or have a different name, um, but you can be able to make more connections once you understand the elements more deeply. But if you all haven't been exposed to those things, I wouldn't worry too much then. All right, so we are getting into the learning target that is the second one here. I can articulate the process and elements for designing a high-quality project. And as I just said, it really has to do with 
the relationship that students have with content. So if we're thinking about uh, students typically are very passive in the classroom. In projects, we want to make them more active so that learning isn't happening to them. Learning is happening with them. The second thing would make it be uh, to make that content relevant. Instead of saying, well, we're learning it for the test or we're learning it because it's we need to do this so that. It answers that, that question for students. We're doing this so that. And in the Christian school, a lot of times it's great if we can do something in service to some other group. So something that's going to benefit another group of people. And then rigor, uh, a lot of the studies, and Buck Institute is doing a lot of research right now regarding how does reconnecting kids with content in meaningful ways, how does that transform what they're able to do? And what we're finding is that because we're building connections and we're making the work relevant, we can up the rigor. So kids are willing to stick with the more difficult texts because they know that they're not just learning it for the sake of learning it, they're learning it so that they can do this bigger thing. All right, so what we're going to do is get into, like I said a minute ago, those ingredients that go into a main course or high-quality project. In your folder on the left-hand side, at least it was there this morning, if it got moved, you're looking for a rubric. So go ahead and pull out that rubric. And by the way, we had said we were going to split into two groups. Technology is not our friend today. So we had a fire alarm, and now we've got tech issues. So we're staying in here, which is great. When you pull that rubric out, you should find that there is a row that's been highlighted for you. Take a minute, and what I'm going to ask you to do individually is to go through and look at the descriptors for just that row. So you're just going to look at one piece of the overall puzzle. As you look at those descriptors, note what is confirmed for you. And those pieces, again, that you see labeled on rubric, those would be the ingredients collectively that help create a main course project. You're going to focus in on just one piece. So as you look at those descriptors, what's confirmed for you? And then what descriptors push your thinking? So I might be pulling descriptors for voice and choice, if that's the one that was highlighted for me. I might have some ideas about what we mean by voice and choice, so what's confirmed for me, I highlight those things, and then what are the things that push my thinking? We'll give you a couple of minutes to do that and orient yourselves to those descriptors, and then we'll come back together again.
give you a thumbs up if you are ready. All right, just I'm going to give you a preview of where we're moving. In just a little bit, you're going to be grouped with other people who have the same element that you have. But for right now, we're going to just have you stay at, at, the, at your tables. We're going to be watching a video, and originally we had hoped to split the group so that the elementary folks could watch an elementary video, high school folks could watch a high school video. It's not going to work out that way. So we'll start with the elementary video, and we're going to try to fit in the high school one later. Okay, so what we're going to do is watch a video. What I'd like for you to do on post-it notes, and you'll be sharing this with your element group in just a little bit. As you watch the video, note examples. Now that you have some idea what is meant by the element that was highlighted for you, note examples of your element in action as we watch this project video. Some of you have an element that's really difficult to showcase in a six-minute video, like reflection. If that's the case, then look for opportunities where it would make sense, based on now what you know about that element, for the teacher to incorporate that into the work. Okay? So you're noting either where you see it in, in place or where it could be put into place. What can I clarify for you? Or are you good to go? Make sense? So we've got some, yeah, we've got some uh, third graders here we're going to watch. For this project, you are going to design a home. You're going to plan a home. You're going to build a home. This project, the tiny house project, is where students are designing tiny houses. Remember when you're going to build this, we have to think about who's living in the house. There was a boom in tiny homes, just the idea of living in one, just because in the city <laughs> the population is growing and there's more people, less room, and maybe a tiny house is more cost efficient, more green. Would you like to have your own room? Yeah. Would you like to have your own space? The driving question was, how can we, as a design team, design a house for clients, taking into consideration budget and location and personal preferences? The entry event was Minecraft. So they used Minecraft to build just a house that they would build for their family. This is inside the house. This is where, like, the sofa. And over here is where I sleep. They're able to use their creativity. They're able to just be free and just to build without anybody giving them parameters. Back to our project and this driving question. What do we need to know to answer this question? Like say they have family that's going to come live with them. They have to think about that. They have a guest room. The Minecraft building sparked like, how many rooms do we build? So they came up with their need to knows. Any other need to knows you'd like to add? Well, we have to know like how many kids are, or how big the family is, and what are those questions that you think you should ask the client? And they're like, yeah. And so we come back to the driving question, we came back to the need-to-knows, and we came back to their entry event, just so that they can get some questions that are appropriate for the project to their client. What is the minimum square footage you want? Um, 400 feet. Do you want a second story? Yes, second story. 
think it's important for them to know that there's a real client because it gives the project more authenticity. Would you like to have a garden outside your house? Yes. When they form a relationship with the client, then they can start to care about what the client thinks. This is the final product. This is what the construction documents look like. But not too different from that concept drive, right? We have the bedrooms up here, master bedroom in the corner. So I asked an expert to come and present to the students, and he was actually a structural engineer. You can see elevations. You just kind of look at what kind of information is on there. How do you tell a wall is a wall? So you put three lines parallel to one another. And we talked about making blueprints and what does that look like for having a layout. Okay, even So the purpose of 
looking at that interaction between the audience and the presenter. So you can think about questions, you can think about behavior within the meeting, and so they can use that as a model for when they go back to their groups. This is the laundry area, and then here's the pantry to store all the clothes. Right here we have a little office. We practice different ways to present to their clients. We talk about eye contact, we talk about confidence, we talk about postures, we talk about volume of your voice. Hello, my name is America. Hello, my name is Christopher. And the title of our project is Tiny Houses. Our driving question of this project is, given a budget, how can we as a design team plan a home for a family? The last day of this journey is for them to really present their work to their clients. And they were so excited. Did you have a hard time building a house? Kind of, yeah. We have to redo some of the walls so that they were the exact measurement. There's a master bedroom. The middle is a kitchen. Here's a, a room. They shared their blueprints. They shared their layout. They shared their budget. And they shared their opinion paragraphs that they wrote so that they can try to persuade their client to purchase their home. So in just a minute, we're going to have you group up with the people who share the same element that you have. I'm going to give you a few steps in the process, and then I'll have you move. In your uh, folder, you should find an article. And at the top of the article on the right, you see this little swoosh for the BIE in there. BIE stands for the Buck Institute for Education, and it's an organization that has been researching and training teachers in project-based learning since 1987. So they've been around for quite a while. You'll notice that their materials are around. Uh, that is the group that I trained with. And then Renee is with a sister organization, Expeditionary Learning, but EL School. So if you hear us throwing that lingo around, just know that that's where it's coming from. Did everybody find their article? Okay. So in just a minute, we're going to ask you to move to the area of the room where you see the signs posted that align with your element. So do a visual sweep of the room, look to see if you can find where your label is for your element. Anybody not finding theirs? Which one are you looking for? Oh, uh, the article. So there's a group of you that have a, a piece that is written about spiritual formation and character. Character and spiritual formation. So BIE, Buck Institute, does not have the Christian element in there. And so we added a ninth element. And that would be spiritual formation and character. So that group is right over here. Okay, so that's the article you're looking for. Thank you for that. Anybody else not finding your sign? Reflection is on the door by the outside. All right, so let me give you the next steps. Before you move, you found your article. When I give you the signal to move to your sign, you're going to go into your area, introduce yourselves to your element group. Take some time to independently read through that article and just annotate what you can lift from it that helps inform you about what that element means. Then, when everybody in your group is ready, so all of us in our re uh, reflection group have finished reading the article and annotating it, then we're going to discuss our notes. We'll discuss what we noticed in the rubric. We'll discuss what we noticed in the video. 
We are going to, as a group, create a poster. So right next to your sign, there's a blank piece of chart paper, and you should find some markers. If you want additional colors, there are more over on that table. Your team is going to be building a poster that teaches the rest of us these three things. So in your own words, how would you define that element? What are examples of that element in use? So we want to have some practical understanding around that element. And then what's an icon or picture that could be used to represent it? You all within your poster group have some voice and choice as to what your poster looks like. It just has to have those three pieces represented. Okay? Anything that you need clarified or are we good to go? Okay, step one, read and mark it up silently, right? Step two, talk it through, talk through your notes, compare reflections. Step three, create your poster. Yeah? Get it? Right. We're going to say, we're going to do a soft target for 1.30 being your posters are ready time, which sounds like it's not enough time, but trust me on this. But we'll check in with you. We'll find out how you're doing, okay? We're asking you to move to your poster and then read because that way when everybody in your group is done, you can launch into your poster, okay? So go ahead, find your people by your signs. Do some reading, discussing, and creating.